incidentally, we celebrate 30 years of ministry, 30 years the church has been here. Uh, thank God for the people who stayed on, people who prayed, supported. We're getting to 30, 31st year. And I was reminded of how Jesus, at the age of 30, the Holy Spirit anointed him, and he went into ministry where there was great signs of uh, wonders and miracles that happened in his life. And I feel, as a church, we have matured over these years. In 30 years, we can expect God. Come on, church. You believe that? We can expect God for an anointing to be upon our lives that we will see things which we have never seen before. God coming and invading our lives and our times when we meet together. So this evening, I want you to want to draw your attention to Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, that says, For as many who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Simple. Like you just repeat that after me. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, this is not talking about water baptism. This is talking about a baptism into Christ. And when you're baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. The word baptism means immerse. Whatever we are immersed into, we put on, we become. If you immerse yourself in music, you become a musician. And I know people who spend hours, 8 to 10 hours a day, practicing. What happens? They're so involved, they're so immersed into music, they become musicians. People who are immersed in sports, they think sports, they live sports, they, they dream sports. What happens? You become a sportsman, you become an athlete. With whatever you immerse yourself, you put on that. You, you, you see people after a cricket match, they're walking on the road, they're doing this. They think they become good cricketers. They're so involved, they don't even know who's watching. You know, they're practicing their bowling actions because you're immersed into it. In the same way, when we are immersed into Christ, we put on Christ. Christ becomes the fragrance in our lives that people around us can see the difference in our lives. The reason why we don't swear, the reason why we don't gossip and don't malign people is because we are immersed in Christ, therefore we put on Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, you are an epistle. Did you know that you were an epistle? An epistle is a written letter. The Bible says you are an epistle of Christ. Not written by ink, but written by the Spirit of God, not on stone, but on the tablets of our hearts. So all of us are a message to the world around us. Hopefully, we're a message that bears the marks of Christ, that bears the message of Christ. We are an epistle of Christ. People may not read the Bible. People may not read good Christian literature. But there is somebody who's always reading your life and receiving something from it. And so if your life is being impacted by God, if there has been a transformation, your life is an epistle written by the Spirit of God for people to read and to people to observe. How do we live in the spiritual reality? Here's this, what the Bible says. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, 
We are baptized into Christ. It didn't say we were baptized into Jesus. It says we were baptized into Christ. We look at uh, 2 Corinthians 3.3. We are the epistle, not of Jesus. We are the epistle of Christ. What's the difference? Christ, the meaning of the word Christ is the anointed one. That's the meaning of the word Christ. And so God has immersed us into Christ the anointed one so that we can walk in the anointing and in the power of the Holy Spirit just like Jesus did. How many of you believe that? You see, we we think that's too far-fetched. We think, wow, can we really walk into the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit as Jesus did? Of course we are. We are immersed in Christ. We are his spiritual body on earth. That's why we take on Christ. Christ is the anointing, is the anointed one, is the spiritual aspect. And so God is anointing his church to rise up in a time like this so that we could demonstrate to the people around there is a living God and there is a God who still heals, still delivers, and still transforms lives. Can somebody shout an amen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, You are the body of Christ. Now, it didn't say you will be, you hopefully will become. You? You? Can you say, I am the body of Christ? Can you say that a little loudly? I am the body of Christ. And it goes on to say, and members individually. You see, again, it didn't say we are the body of Jesus, we're the body of Christ. You represent Christ to the world. We are anointed, we are immersed into Christ because God has something significant to do in us and through us. We are the body of Christ. Now let me say this. The church is not a physical body trying to become spiritual. Are you listening to me? There are too many people who, have, who think they're, spiritual, they're physical trying to be spiritual. And the way they think, they become spiritual by saying, Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I'm becoming spiritual. Okay, I, maybe I'll buy heart Psalm 91 at night only. Psalm 91. And you repeat it, morning what? Psalm 23. And for the whole year, you only read Psalm 23 and Psalm 91. You want the shepherd in the morning and you want Jesus to watch over you at night. You see, we are the body of Christ. We are a spiritual body called to live by the Spirit. So we should be people who are sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Can somebody shout an amen? We're not trying to be spiritual. We are spiritual. Tell someone next to you. You don't, don't try to be spiritual. You are spiritual. Because you are the body of Christ. You know, you meet in a group and everyone saying, you pray, you pray, you pray. And why should I pray? Because you're more spiritual than us. You are just the body of Christ as I am the body of Christ. And members of his body. We are anointed. 
Because we are representing the spiritual aspect of Jesus Christ on the earth. That means we can pray to God just the way Jesus prayed to God. You believe that? We can call God Father the same way Jesus called God His Father. Hello? We can believe God for miracles just the same way Jesus believed God the Father for miracles. God called us His sons just the same way He called Jesus His Son. That's why the Bible says we are the body of Christ. Many Christians have a very religious view of, of who God is. And many people think that God is far up there in heaven and they are down here totally disconnected from God. That's a religious view. Did you know that the word Christian is such a common word used today to define which religion you follow? That's what it means in the world today. Are you Christian? Which, what's your belief? That's what it means. But in the Bible, the word Christian is only mentioned three times. That's all. Only three times in the Bible. 216 times the Bible mentions those who belong to Christ as into Christ, in Christ, or in Him. Now that's the terminology the Bible uses to define who a Christian is and what our relationship with God is. In Christ, into Christ, in Him, and something like that. The churches were referred to as those saints established in Christ. So in other words, in New Testament language, we are a church called Adonai in Christ. We are Christians in Christ. If the Bible says something 216 times, it signifies two things. One, it is absolutely important, and that's why it's repeated 216 times. And second, God doesn't want us to forget it. That's why it's repeated over and over again that we will be established in Christ. Now, this one little word called in is a very profound word. In. To demonstrate what in is, I want someone to be, give me that chair, please. You know, these small words, we take it for granted, but they mean a lot. Right now, I am in this chair. True? Now, I am nothing profound. Out. What is the opposite of in? Great. What a revelation. We say it again. What's the opposite of in? Out. Now, if the Bible is saying we are not in, that means we are out. We can't be in and out. We're either out or we're in. Now bring the other chair. There's another word that we need to understand, which is in between. I know why you're laughing. Because many Christians like to be here in between. 
We are not in, we are not out. In between. In between. But there is no such thing as in between. We are either in Christ or we are out of Christ. Isn't that true? No in between. There is no third kingdom. There's only the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Please don't try and make another kingdom. This word in is significant because in Romans chapter 5, it speaks of the two most important people that ever lived in this world. You want to guess who they are? The first one is Adam and the second one is Christ. So we'll name this chair. We'll call this chair Adam. What's this chair? Say loudly, what's this chair? See if anyone's sleeping at the side of you. Just dig them and say, this chair is called Adam. And this chair is called Christ. What's this chair called? Christ. Who's this? This one? Good. So now let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Therefore, as through one man's offense, who's that one man? Okay. Judgment came to all men. Everyone in this tribe, everyone in this nation, everyone in this family, judgment came, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, who's that? See, I'm giving you a hint. Who's that? Jesus, the second chair. Jesus Christ, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, we were all made sinners, so also, by one man's obedience, Jesus, many will be made righteous. So we got these two significant people here. In Adam, we are all judged. In Adam, we are all condemned. In Adam, we are all sinners. Now, in Christ... We are all justified. You know what justified means? Just as if I had not sinned. You are justified. Jesus justifies us before the Father. In Christ, we are justified. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, it says there, many will be made righteous in Christ. So where are you? First chair or second chair? You've got to make up your mind tonight. You know, on Sunday morning, I'm righteous. Sunday morning, give, free gift. Monday to Saturday, you talk to me like this way, I'll break all your teeth. Why? Adam talking. Monday to Saturday, you live out a life in Adam, and then on Sunday, we want to say, I'm in Christ. When you're in Adam, you can't receive the blessings which are in Christ. And that's why we have many people. We find it difficult to say righteous. No, I'm righteous, I'm sinner. I'm righteous, I'm sinner. Keep dancing in between. Who? Adam and uh, Jesus. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. 
For as in Adam all die spiritually, we were all born into this world physically but spiritually dead. Physically we are alive but spiritually all, every single person was born spiritually dead. But then it goes on to say, even so, in Christ, in Christ, all shall be made spiritually alive. So, we were born physically alive, but spiritually dead. In Christ, we are born again spiritually alive, and we are also physically alive. Why is this important? Because God sees us in the light of these two nations, these two groups, or these two families. We all belong either to one or the other. We all belong. Either you're in Adam or you're in Christ. And their decision has affected everyone. Adam's decision has affected all of mankind. All have made sinners and all have been spiritually dead. Christ made a decision through his obedience. All of us are forgiven and we can receive the gift of righteousness. Now God knew that we, it wasn't our fault that we were born in Adam. So God in his mercy chose to freely forgive us of all our past sin. He wiped the slate clean. Because no one has a choice to choose their parents. No one had a choice to choose to be in Adam. We were just born in, that, in Adam. Now you all know that none of, none of us uh, have a choice to choose our parents. Whatever you get, that's it. You may not like your parents, you may be angry with your parents, but they're your parents. Accept it. True? No one has two fathers. That will be a highly complicated one. So we are born in Adam, and when you're born in Adam, we inherit the curse, the consequences, and all that is, that is in Adam. It's, for example, if you're born in a poor home, for no fault of yours, you inherit poverty. If you were born in an abusive and alcoholic home, for no fault of yours, you'll suffer in the consequences of that abusive family. You didn't do anything wrong. You were as good as you could be. But you happened to be born in that family. And because you were born, that's all you get. So there's only one thing to do. If someone comes across your path and adopts you and say, come live with me, then there's hope. There's a change of circumstances and a change of identity. So here is God's big idea. This is God's plan. That he chose you and me to be a part of his family. I told you, Children have no right to choose their parents. Parents choose the children. And so now God, our Heavenly Father, made His choice over every one of us. Aren't you glad He chose you? 
You don't sound happy. Aren't you glad He chose you? God chose you, the Bible says, in John chapter 15, verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Why? Because He's a heavenly Father and He chose us to belong to Him. We are His children. It goes on to say in, one, in John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, yet to all who did receive Him. Now you notice the word receive, it didn't say choose. It says to all those who receive Christ, receive Him, to them He gave the right or the privilege to be called the, the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So what did God do? He saw us as miserable as ever. Stuck in Adam. Suffering the consequences in Adam. Living under the curse of poverty. Living under the curse of fear and bondage in Adam. And God said, here's my big plan for the world. I will send Jesus and now I will choose you from Adam's family to belong to my family. So in Christ, we are children of God. You know, one of the things of being born in a rich family is such a blessing. You have your own room. You have your father's, uh, you know, MasterCard, Visa card, whatever card, gold card. You swipe it. You buy clothes. You go shopping. You, you go out. You have a big problem to choose between the Audi or the BMW or the Hyundai. And you think, which, which car to choose? And you, you don't get up in the morning and say, oh my goodness, how am I going to work? How am I going to do this? You just say, okay, here's the key. Audi is there. Take the Audi. And I would say, Audi? You're driving? How Nothing, just a car. I drive Hyundai, a hundred uh, Audi. Doesn't matter, just a car. Why? Because the person is born in a rich family. They didn't clean the car. They didn't pay a penny to the car. They didn't pay for their clothes. They didn't pay for the good food. All they did was to be born in that rich family. How many of you want to be born in a rich family? Only one? You're not so spiritual? You're so spiritual? Because we want to be born in a rich family, God chose you. God chose me. He chose all of us to be baptized into Christ so that we can be in one wealthy, rich family. Family called Christ. In Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody get excited. He adopted us. He brought us into his family. And when you are in the family, the blessings of God, no big deal. Why? You are born in the family. Miracles, no big deal. Miracles happen. Why? Because that's the atmosphere of the family. That's the culture of the family. And so to believe God for the impossible is not a big deal. Why? Because that's the words used in the spiritual family. God does the impossible. Go on. Someone, somebody is getting it and saying hallelujah. Shout a loud one. Hallelujah. You're born in the family. The problem is, we like sitting in Adam. 
and say, Lord, I want the blessing to be healed. I want you to provide. I want you. If you want the provision and blessing, get out of Adam and get into Christ. That okay? Good deal? Am I talking to you tonight? Get into Christ. You can't be in Adam and get the blessings of Christ. You're in Christ. I told you you can't be in two families. One family will ditch you if you try that. You got to make up your mind. The line is drawn tonight. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. There is nothing in between. You can't keep one leg in Adam and one leg in, in Christ. In Adam, we're all born as natural sons through natural parents. But in Christ, we are born again as spiritual sons by God, our Heavenly Father. That's what the Bible is saying. We are born of God. Now, here's an interesting word. You know, let me tell you the story before I get into 2 Corinthians 5.17. You know, the story goes like this. Where a wealthy man adopted a beggar because he saw this small child begging and he thought this, this person needs better than, than what he deserves. He needs good education, good clothes, give him a better life. So he brought this beggar into his home, cleaned him up, gave him clean clothes, took him to the dining table, said, you can eat as much as you want, and changed the environment, gave him his own room. And for the beggar, he's seeing everything with big wide eyes, everything sparkling. He never seen life like this way before. And as time went on, his circumstances changed. But on the inside, his attitude never changed. So when the father and the mother were out and nobody was looking, he would go to the chairs and say, Paisa, Paisa ma, Paisa, Paisa, Paisa. He goes, you know why? Something never changed on the inside of him. And I find a lot of Christians like that. Our circumstances change, but on the inside, Lord, please, please, Lord, give me something, Lord. Little one crumb through at me. That's all I'm asking. Little mercy, Lord. Little, little. Hey, you're in a family. You're in a family of God's blessing. We must change our attitude. You know what I find? I find it's very easy to get people to believe anything about God. But for people to change their mind of what they believe about themselves is like a Red Sea, parting of the Red Sea miracle. Whew. We are so ingrained in Adam. We say, Lord, I come to you as a sinner. And God must be thinking, why did I send my son Jesus to die for? I saved Saint Jesus because I knew you were a sinner. I am giving you the gift of righteousness. No, Lord, I am a sinner. Why? Because we are so stuck in Adam. Lord, you know, God, I, I don't know if anyone loves me. Do you love me? Do you love me, Lord? Lord, speak to me prophetically today. God loves me. Oh, God loves me. Hey, get out of Adam. In Adam, all are condemned. In Adam, all are sinners. You've got to make up your mind. Are you a sinner or are you a saint? What are you tonight? Why? Because of study first night. A Monday morning, what you will be? Saint, 
Why? Because in Christ you inherit righteousness. In Christ you are forgiven. In Christ, it's in His family. We belong to that nation. We belong to that group. Good, good opportunity to sit. But anyway, he's comfortable. You see, you know, don't be confused. Where do we belong? Now look at this, 2 Corinthians 5.17. says, therefore, if, can you see the word if? Big if. If any man is in Christ, then he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Then all things become new. You know, this is the most common verse we heard in church. And we just rattle it off. Anyone is in Christ, we're a new Christian, new Christian, new Christian. Remember, if any man is in Christ. If. If you're living an ungodly life, if you're swearing, you're bashing your wife just once a month, you're definitely not in Christ, you're in Adam. If you're in Christ, you will live like Christ. You will put on Christ. You will demonstrate Christ to the world, of, uh, to the world around you. Because in Christ, there is transforming power that changes us from the inside. So it says, if any man is in Christ, then he's a new creation. Then all things are passed away. Why? Because you're sitting in Christ. You enjoying this? You know, why do we suffer? Why do Christians suffer being demonized? Why do people as Christians live in bondage for year in, year out? The Christians who call themselves Christians in Adam, they are the only ones who are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Let God be the same yesterday, today. You don't be the same yesterday, today, forevermore. Same problem, same bondage, same demon. They're always fighting with the same demon. Why? You're sitting in Adam. When you're in Adam, you're held captive by the enemy. When you're in Adam, that's Satan's territory. You're in a place of rebellion. You're in a place of carnality. So that's where the enemy oppresses you. But when you're in Christ... You're protected. When you're in Christ, you, you receive His blessing, His favor. Why? Because you're in Christ, family. Let me say this again. We all, everyone, you go to God, you go to heaven, you don't carry your Baptist board. I'm Baptist. Oh, and you? Pentecostal. God says, what's that? I don't know what you're talking about. Baptist who? Pentecostal, why? The only thing God sees us is through the eyes of those who are in the line of Christ, His nation, His generation, that family, and those who are in Adam. Clear divide. Right from Genesis to, to the end, we see two groups, two lines. Cain and Abel. 
You see, Ishmael and Abraham, we see a line that's two parallel lines running. One is a godly line and one is an ungodly line. And you see in the New Testament, that line comes today to, for us to decide to accept. I said this, God chooses his children, we accept parents. And some of us, God has chosen, but we have not accepted God as a heavenly father. We need to accept him as our father. And say, God, I belong to you. You chose me in Christ Jesus. I accept you as my heavenly father. So, in Christ, I'm a sinner. But, sorry, in Adam, I'm a sinner. But in Christ, I'm righteous. Where do you want to be? Chair one, chair two. What is chair two? So say this after me. In Adam, I'm a sinner. But in Christ, I am righteous. And there is no in-between. That you can tell someone next to you. There's no in-between. In Adam, I'm defeated. Loudly, in Adam, I'm defeated. In Christ, I'm seated with him in heavenly places. In Adam, I'm condemned. But in Christ, I'm forgiven. In Adam, I'm cursed. But in Christ, I'm blessed. In Adam, I'm separated from God. But in Christ, I'm eternally joined to to our Heavenly Father. In Adam, I'm spiritually dead. But in Christ, I'm spiritually alive to God. Come on, lift your hands and thank God and say, Lord, thank you. I'm spiritually alive to you. Lift your hands and thank Him. And say, Lord, thank you. I'm spiritually alive. And I could hear your voice, Lord. Thank you. You're my father. You're my daddy. I can know your voice. I can know your future. I can know your destiny because I'm spiritually alive in God. Okay, now look at me before you go to sleep. I want us to see yourself. I want you to see yourself either in one of these two realities. Because that's the way God sees us. And that's why tonight can be a defining moment for you. That in 2016, you live out your life in the reality knowing that you are in Christ. You know, every family has bad children. Most families have bad children. But just because you're a bad child doesn't mean to say you're not a child. You are still a child. You just happen to be a bad kid. But you're still a child. And some of us will have bad days in Christ. But God doesn't disown us. God doesn't abandon us. We're still in Christ. He chose you. You belong to Him. And we begin to live in that. And we begin to, to, to nurture our spirit in that revelation. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, Behold, 
what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Well, the Apostle John, close disciple to Jesus, he's writing this letter and he's marveled, he marvels at the lavish goodness and love of God. And he says, what manner of love? God chose you because he loved you. What manner of love? And God chose you to be called the children of God. We are his children. When Jesus was baptized, the one thing that God the Father spoke to Jesus is, is these words. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. What did God the Father do? Establish sonship. And because he had the revelation that he is the Son of God, he was led by the Spirit and the enemy tempted him 40 days, 40 nights, attacking him in this one area. If you're a son, if you're a son, if you're a son. And so I can understand why the church finds it absolutely difficult to believe who they are in Christ. The church finds it very difficult because Satan wants to attack us to what means the most to God and to us, our sonship to God. When Jesus received that revelation that he is the son, God is well pleased, from that moment onwards, he lived his life and his ministry out of that revelation, establishing the truth that he's the son of God. You know, when you come to God as a son, it's so much different than coming to God as a servant or a slave. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And before I had this revelation, I would approach God and say, God, you know, you, and you begin to think, well, this, there's a big gap between God and us. But when you begin to look at yourself as a son, like the way Jesus looked at himself as a son. Jesus said this before he could be resurrected. He told his disciples something so powerful. Your father, I'm going to your father and my father. Your God and my God. Those were the words that Jesus sowed into the apostles' lives or the disciples' lives. We are talking to the same God. And when you pray, you come to God. Lord, I come to you as a son tonight. And I thank you, you're my daddy. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus and me share the same father. And we worship you, Lord. You answered his prayer, you will answer my prayer. You were with him, you will be with me too. Why? Because I am in Christ, the anointed one. Somebody shout an amen. When you pray like that, you're touching heaven. You're living in spiritual reality. We not only need to accept Jesus by faith, we need to accept our sonship by faith. As sons of God. As sons of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 16. You know, which is more closer, a good friend or a child? Who has more access to the Father, your good friend or a son or a child? 
turn hand. And that's what I'm trying to communicate today. When you come to God as, as a son, it's so different to coming to God as a close friend. A friend doesn't have, no matter how close he is, he doesn't have access to a father the way a child has access to the father. Isn't it right? And God has given us access to him as father. That is our privilege. He lavished his love. He chose you. He chose us. He chose his body to be called sons of God. It says here in Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, these are sons of God. Now, the translation here talks about sons in a different way from John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, it's talking about sons which are small sons, one-year-old, two-year-old, babies in Christ. But here it says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, are mature sons of God. They are mature, they are adults. And it says there, those sons who are mature are ones who did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. It's mature sons who understand their relationship with God as Father and we're able to connect with God. And we call God Father. How by His Spirit, verse 16 says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. How do you know you're born again? How do you know you're a child of God? Something on the inside bears witness to your spirit. You are a child of God. How many of you have that experience? Say, Lord, thank you. Because the Bible says, it's only by the Holy Spirit in you that calls God Father, Daddy. Spirit. It's the Spirit that leads. And it's the Spirit that, that calls the best witness with our spirit. Now, when we have got the relationship right, when we understood where we stand, which family, which nation we represent, we belong. Verse 17 says, and if children, this is the logic. And if you're children, then heirs, heirs of God. So, you know, if you're born in this family, do you know that you, no one earns for an inheritance? Anyone earn for an inheritance? You never work for an inheritance. You only receive an inheritance. True? And why are so many Christians striving? Because it's sonship. Sonship. When you're born in a family, and especially you're born in a rich family, you get to be an heir where you inherit the cars, the money, the house, the property, everything. You're an heir to what? To where you belong. If you're born in a poor family, you get only a bicycle, and that's all. Now, there's a problem with an heir. I would be happy if the Bible only stopped as called heirs. If there are five in the family, that means your portion gets limited a little bit. Because you're an heir, five children in a family, it has to be divided by five people. True? Don't tell me you don't know that. Because you're an heir. But here the Bible says, if your children... We are heirs of God 
And then it goes on to say, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What's the difference? An heir gets only a portion, a joint heir gets everything. I said something bad. You see, a wife is a joint heir. She doesn't get portions, she gets everything. And God has called us to be joint heirs. You were born again into a very rich family of God. I'm not talking about the earthly family, I'm talking about the spiritual family of God. Lavish with His love. Lavish with his goodness, his mercy, his forgiveness. And he has made us co-heirs with Jesus. I think that's something to shout about. But this will be a reality when you understand verse 14 and 16. We are mature sons of God. It's only when you grow up and we begin to understand the value of the earning and all of that. You begin to appreciate inheritance that's given to us. And God has given us an inheritance. All He wants us to do is understand the relationship and enjoy the inheritance that God has provided through Jesus Christ. Here's the secret to how the apostles lived. This is the secret of how these men Turned cities upside down. Interested to know? Acts chapter 17 verse 28. It says, For in Him we live, in Him we move, and have our being, we are His offspring. And this is the secret of the apostles' life. Everything that they did was out of the revelation. We are God's offspring. We carry God's genes. We carry God's spirit in us. Therefore, we live in Christ. My attitudes are in Christ. My actions are in Christ. My words are in Christ. My decisions are in Christ. And then they summed it up by saying, In Him, in Christ, we live, we move, and have our existence. No wonder the apostles walked not only in Christ, but they walked in Christ's anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we don't understand sonship, we become spiritual vagabonds. You know what spiritual vagabonds? Where's the blessing? Where's the blessing? Who's coming to town? USA? USA, they must be very anointed. In USA. You go quickly, quickly, you know, get one blessing there. Uh, Sri Lanka, not so much. It looks like the further they come from, they have greater anointing. We are running from one blessing to another. We are we're doing all sorts of things to receive a blessing. Why? Because we've not understood sonship. I want to say this again. When you know you're born in a rich family, the miracles and the blessings of God is no big deal. Why? Because you're born in that family. So what I want to leave with, leave with you tonight, which chair do you want to live your life on? Chair one or chair two? And that's a decision that we need to make every day of our lives. That's a decision that we need to remind ourselves. The things that we say, the decisions we make, the, the things we do. Lord, I want to do it in Christ 
recognizing this is where I belong. I trust that this will put an end to all your confusion of dancing between in Adam and in, in Christ. We make up our mind. The line is drawn that we represent this family. We bear the marks of this family. We will carry on the characteristics of this family. And we'll populate the earth or we'll influence the earth with the atmosphere that we enjoy in this family. The family of what it is to be in Christ.